Do you remember playing with Star Wars toys as a child? I don't mean recalling a quick blur of a memory, like skimming through a scrapbook in mere seconds. I'm talking about taking a few minutes, closing your eyes, letting everything disappear around you, and jumping back in time. To really capture what it was like to be a child, and to live in the world of George Lucas's Star Wars. Do you remember? What specifically do you remember? For me, it's wearing corduroy pants that made a zipping sound as I walked, or when I raked my fingernails against the ridges. I remember wearing a white Return of the Jedi shirt with red three-quarter sleeves, with a photo of Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, and an Emperor's Royal Guard on it, sitting on the soft brown rug in my wood-paneled den. I would spend what felt like hours pulling all of my figures out of my Darth Vader molded case and my rectangular vinyl case with an artist's depiction of the characters from The Empire Strikes Back on it. I'd arrange the figures by where they lived. For the villains of the Empire, I simply assumed the Death Star was their home. And for our rebel friends who lost their homes to the destructive planetary battles, the Millennium Falcon was the closest thing they had to a roof over their heads. And they would visit their friends and allies in places like Hoth and in Tatooine, and yet the Empire would always manage to find them. Or they would fly to the Death Star to put an end to the Emperor's reign once and for all. I remember using my eye as a camera lens, and after setting up the various playsets, would move my head in as close as I could, sweeping around each playset and looking for a perfect snapshot of an image similar to the ones I saw in the movies I loved. And when friends would come over, we would take turns setting up the action, shouting things like, Darth Vader is coming, or we have to escape to the Millennium Falcon at once. And there was this amazing feeling. I don't even know if I could put it into words, a feeling like we had shrunk down to the sizes of our nearly four-inch tall figures, and were fighting side by side, together, surrounded by droids, a smuggler, a gambler, a princess, a Jedi, and a Wookiee. We'll always be kids. We'll always dream big and let our imaginations take us beyond the clouds overhead to a galaxy far, far away. And we'll always look to our heroes to blaze the path for us. Now, though, instead of fighting against the Empire, we're running with the Empire State. And the Rebel Alliance has become the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors. This is how we play now, and how we connect with our friends. This is a look at some of the items from the collection of Justin Haney. This is a conversation between a Jedi and a smuggler turned hero and leader. This is six stories. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. David Quinn. 
It's a trap. Yes, Did you ever know someone before you actually met them? In the era of social media, this is probably more common than you'd imagine. I remember learning about Justin Haney from his posts. He was a collector who focused on Han and Leia, and had a burgeoning emperor focus. He posted on our collecting groups frequently, and his personality seemed to shine through each photo and entry. It was a prototype that first brought us together as friends. It was 2018, and we were both at the Nashville ICCC room sales, scouring through the same bins. I had recognized Justin from seeing him in photos, and I remembered he was an emperor collector. Our mutual friend Anthony brought a treasure trove of modern Star Wars prototypes to the room sales, and I stumbled upon an emperor first shot. I picked it out of one of his bins, tapped Justin on the shoulder, and said, I think you might be interested in this. We met again in 2019, hanging out in the hotel room belonging to Kyle Rose and Matt George at Celebration Chicago. I got to know Justin and his wife during that trip. But it was a few months later at an Empire State Club's event that our friendship solidified. We were in upstate New York for the annual, over Labor Day weekend, for what had turned out to be one of the most fun collecting trips many of us had ever experienced. Justin, Jen, and Blake Morgan and Orion Nike from the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors came up to New York for the weekend, and it was wonderful to have Georgia represented at the annual. That Saturday, I delivered the opening panel at the event, which was a look at how the Empire State Club came to be the wide-reaching and friendship-focused club it is today. Justin approached me after the panel and seemed to really connect with its message. His passion for what our group was doing and what his group was doing was infectious. We hung out that night and spent some time together the next day at Ron Salvatore's house. And during the evening boat cruise, he and I had a chance to sit down, to catch up on life, and to discuss what we saw as the future of our clubs. It was one of those moments that rarely happens at a big event like Celebration, but seems to be the heart of these smaller, localized meetups and I will never forget it. That night, I came up with the idea of doing a live roundtable podcast from my hotel room, and I asked Justin and Jen to be a part of it. What was intended to be a 20-minute conversation with seven friends turned into a two-hour recorded hangout, followed by a wild trip to a local diner, and concluded with dancing to Michael Jackson's Thriller in front of the hotel at 2 a.m. The annual did something really special, It brought the Georgia and Empire State Clubs together. After that weekend, we all became members of both clubs and began to support events, fundraisers, and meetups from each one. It was like the world became a little smaller, like two families had joined together to form this amazing superfamily, and the blessings have been immeasurable. And over the past few years, Justin and I have become closer. I am determined to make it down to Georgia for one of his meetups during the legendary winter socials, and I'm certainly hoping to pull the annual Thriller Gang back together to record another live roundtable, and maybe tear up another late-night diner in the process. 
Justin kindly invited me to be a part of the Summer Virtual Social and to host a day of the Virtual Winter Social this past year, and I had a blast at both events. We've marched through the pandemic together, and his enthusiasm for his friends and for collecting keep life so interesting. He and I hunt prototypes together and discuss stock investing strategies on an almost daily basis. And yes, he had a pretty nice run during January's historic GameStop stock spike. (laughs) When I think of the best parts of collecting in our community, Justin is a big part of that. He has such a heart for others and is never willing to settle for anything less than a fresh idea to bring excitement and joy to those around him. So join me now for the second episode of Six Stories. I've asked Justin to share the stories behind the six pieces that meant something to him, and I can't wait to see which ones he chose. Justin Haney, thank you so much for being on today. Uh, you are just one of my, my dear friends, and, and I, I'm, I'm so happy that we get a chance to do this. Mr. David Quinn, it is an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. I Absolutely. It. All right, so uh, I know you really well because you know I, I was thinking about you yesterday, and we, we have been friends now for more than three years. We've had all these experiences together from the annual to ICCC, uh, I think almost every convention and show. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if you would just you know, care to kind of share a little bit about yourself. Yeah, David, it's, it's been a, a crazy three years, and I consider you one of my closest friends, not just in the hobby, but you know, personally as well. We, we talk quite a bit, and, uh, and you know, it's, a, it's amazing what this, what this hobby has done to, to bring people together like that. But, but so I've been, um, some of you guys know, uh, our club, the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors. I'm one of the founders of that. I'm pretty active in that community and posting about it and, um, kind of promoting that club. Um, outside of that, I've been, I've been collecting Star Wars toys, uh, since I was a kid. Um, much like many people, right. I, I had that, the, the loose runs of the the vintage and then the power of the force two came out and I was all into that and episode one. And, and it just, it's really just been a passion of mine for, for a really long time. I've um, gotten into focus collecting in the last decade or, or so, and, and have focused mainly on Han Solo and princess Leia items. Um, I, I like to do modern pre-production just like David and, and seems to be a hot ticket thing these days. I'm into, uh, Kinder employee items, uh, just kind of all across the board. But uh, I, I've been in the hobby a long time. I kind of, I kind of went went dormant for a little bit there during the college years and getting my career together. But um, much, much like many people. But, but uh, you know, I've been really hot and heavy into it for a while. My my wife Jen, who some of you guys have met, she accompanies me to to most trips to celebrations. She's a huge fan herself, um, you know, and uh, to toy shows uh, all around the southeast and. And things like the the annual that Dave was talking about with the Empire Club. So so try to get around, try to be really active in the community, and, and try to help out uh, and grow uh, Georgia specifically with the Georgia Alliance. Yeah, and yesterday uh, you did something really special for us. Um, we had a, a Georgia group chat, which was the, one of the first ones in a long time, and um, you really you, you made it really special. 
Yeah, yeah, we're fortunate enough, um, you know, have a couple Kenner, f- former Kenner employees that are here local uh, in Georgia, you know, moved down here, uh, you know, left Cincinnati and, and, and retired down here. And um, two, two of those gentlemen uh, decided they want to come into the, the Saturday kind of virtual meetup. And gosh, they just talked and talked. It was amazing. Th- three, maybe four hours of just story after story about Kenner and Hasbro and, and Tonka. And, and one of the guys was there, uh, worked at Rollerblade and the inception of Rollerblades. I mean, it was just just some really in-depth, uh, insightful stuff about the history of the toys we love. Yeah, it was – what was your – what was the the uh, the coolest thing that you learned from the chat yesterday? Oh boy, um, you know one of the most uh, interesting things uh, that we are still kind of hunting on is one of the designers worked on the battle damaged Tie Fighter and X Wing, and he says there's an Easter egg hidden in one of the battle damage stickers uh, where he actually put his last name. It's kind of hidden in there in the damage and he referenced the wiring. So we think it's from the battle damage X-Wing. You know, he couldn't hundred percent pinpoint exactly where it was, but so if you've got an unused sticker sheet uh, from the battle damage X-Wing uh, and, a, and a nice magnifying glass, we're hunting down the last name Miller somewhere hidden in there. So that was something nobody had heard of before. Yeah, really amazing. It's so funny too that you know, forty years later, we're still finding out all these little Easter eggs and all these these little tidbits about the toys that we grew up with. Yeah, and the the way those guys talked about it, I mean, they said that was a very common practice that that, that there was probably hundreds of things that didn't get passed because they were too obvious, you know. So that so um, in quality control caught them, but but um, it sounds like I mean we could. 40 years late from now, we could be learning more. You know, it seems like that was a, a trademark of a lot of the designers there that they really like to, to hide some, some little Easter egg in their work. So. Yeah. Oh, it was very, very cool. And, um, you have something coming up now, uh, this week, right? That's right. Um, uh, hopefully some of you guys will listen to this beforehand, but on March 5th, uh, we will, which is Friday, we will be doing an actual, more of like a, a traditional panel, um, uh, with two of the Kenner designers and, and then we're going to be doing, uh, so it'll be like a 30 to 45 minute panel, uh, followed by like a 15 to 20 minute Q and a, so much like, you know, if you're at a big convention and, and, you know, the, the guests, uh, they talk and then you can like line up at the microphone. We're going to do something kind of similar to that. Uh, we're, we're going to be simulcasting the event, uh, in the Georgia club, the, uh, empire club and the California group. Um, and, and right now you can submit questions and we're going to choose three to four people to come on live and, and get to talk to the kinder designers and, and ask their question live. So just trying to do something fun, uh, for the community, you know, we're, we're missing out on a lot of, a lot of events out there because of COVID and, and, you know, let's at least do something virtually and, and try to give back and hopefully it'll be a, a fun little night for everybody. And I have to say, you and the the Georgia group have really made uh, collecting and and even you know just during this time of the quarantine, you've made it so much fun for us. Um, from the virtual social uh, to the twelve days of winter, uh, you know, and, and everything in between. I mean, it, it's really kept us all together. Uh, so thank you, and thank you to the Georgia team for always for always making collecting special. 
I, I really appreciate that, David. Um, and I appreciate you saying the team because this is not just a, a one man show by, by any means. There's, there's about nine of us, uh, moderators and admins of the, the page and, um, then countless help from people like yourself and, and people from the Empire Group. I mean, we get so much help to make these events possible. Um, it's a lot of hard work, but it's a lot of fun to see when they pay off and when people get excited. And um, you know, it's 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 been a been a crappy year, missing some of our favorite events like the, the annual that was going to come come on and happen, and, and um, you know, celebration getting canceled. So, just trying to make it as fun as we can. Right, we're all in this together. So. Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the things that the Georgia group um, really always promotes is not only to be a, a, a part of it, but to be an active part of it. Uh, and when I think of the Georgia group, I think of so many people who have had a hand in making these events and these moments happen. Um, and it, it's it's really nice that it's not just on one person, but you know, really, it, it's a family of people uh, that like to be together, that like to make things happen, and to do things really in a positive way. Yeah. Well, again, David, I really appreciate it. And I just hope, uh, I hope everyone out there enjoys it, you know? Mr. Haney, you do a great job. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Okay. So I'm going to hit you with uh, something new called the quick six and uh, just, yeah, just six questions just to kind of get us into a conversation. So, um, okay. Okay. Shoot. From the original Kenner run, which non main character is your favorite figure? Oh boy. Uh, that's a toughie because um, I would go with Han and Leia, but I'm going to assume that they're uh, main characters. Um, Probably. Sure. Let's go with old prune face. Let's go a call back to Mr. Mark Vanis. We'll go prune face. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, I, I was just looking at something about prune face yesterday. Uh, there was a post on Facebook where people said that they didn't realize that he was actually one of the good guys. Uh, you know, they, they, um, most people I think, uh, picture him as a villain. Um, maybe because they weren't able to place him within the, the Star Wars film, but uh, in Return of the Jedi. But yeah, he was he was a good guy. I, to be honest, I didn't know that up until about like five years ago. <laughs> I always thought he was a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, so. pretty cool. But yeah, he was he was there when Mon Mothma was uh, assembling the the team to go to Endor. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, when was the last time, or I would say in 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 the last few years? Was there a particular moment where something from Star Wars, whether it was the the films, the series, um, made you emotional, connected with you emotionally? Um, as far as like actual Star Wars content, or just like Star Wars content? Yes. Uh, okay, so like not not like on the collecting side, but um... right, right. Uh, okay. Something from the films or something from, you know, a, a series or a comic or anything like that where you just, it maybe, maybe kind of surprised you or just got caught up in the moment and just emotionally affected you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, here you go, David, this is what you want. I mean, the, Ahso- the first Ahsoka uh, scene in the Mandalorian, it uh, <laughs> was, uh, it, you know, I didn't break down or anything like that, but just, just that whole episode really for me, her interacting with, um, uh, Grogu interacting with the child just at, at, from that initial uh, scene with senior lightsabers for the first time. I mean, it, it really just kind of overwhelmed me of like how far Star Wars has come from the original trilogy. You know, wh- where we've come from mm. from that to now. It's, it's just 
it's amazing. Uh, animated character, now live action. It's just like, it, it, it's, it's almost overwhelming as to like, where can we, where, where are we going to be in another 20 years with Star Wars? But that that Absolutely. episode that episode was it was emotional. It was just it was just crazy to to, to you know we, we knew it was coming, but to finally see it it was uh, it was great. Yeah, I watched that about seven o'clock in the morning, and I felt like my head had fallen off, <laughs> and with the with the opening scene. So that was it was a really powerful one. Yeah, be, because of because of spoilers and things like that. I mean, I. I I normally get to work about six 30 in the morning. So I was waking up at like four o'clock on Friday mornings to watch the show. <laughs> and, yeah. and that episode, uh, I think, I think I woke my wife up. Like I was just like, <gasps> you know, like just so audible. Like I normally <laughs> try to be very quiet, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I woke her up. She was like, what? And I was like, you gotta come see this. Like you, you have to watch this now. You, you can't get this spoiled. Oh, that's like, it's, it's too good. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what is your favorite moment from the sequel trilogy? Um, I get very emotional every time I watch um, Carrie and Harrison's uh, interaction for the first time. Mm. That that will always um, stick with me, that the, the first time um, Han and Leia see each other again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like the fact that C3PO breaks it up a little bit with, with humor initially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, but you're right. I mean, they, they play that really naturally. And, uh, and you can see that there's just, there are decades uh, of a connection between the two of them. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, now, that is a, a moment that I cried like a baby the first time I saw that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, were you affected um, in Rise of Skywalker when, Kylo Ren sees Han Solo again. Were you were you affected by that? Not as much. Um, um, it, it, it it's a powerful. Uh, I, I'm one of the people. It, it's new Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I love everything Star Wars. You know, I just g- give me more. Uh, I'll take take everything. So sure. I, I I personally enjoy the sequel trilogy. We we watch them frequently. Um, but no, it, it's n- nothing. You know, it's just so many years with with the the characters of Han and Leia. Um, that's what really really hits me. Um, I, I, can't, I can't. I don't get quite as emotional with with the newer characters, um, e- even even in that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. The part that always gets me is when Ray is talking to Han Solo in the Millennium Falcon. And she says, you knew Luke Skywalker and, and there, and, um, and Han, I think she says, you knew Luke Skywalker. She, she talks to Han and there's a pause. And I, I felt like there was a like 36 year pause. It, it, you know, 36 years happened in in that, in between that pause. And it was, it just really profound. I mean, the first time I ever saw that, I was just, you know, my heart jumped into my throat. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, who is your favorite character on the Mandalorian? <clears throat> I mean, I get the biggest smile every time the child's on screen. To be honest, so I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I have to go with that. Um, okay. It's it's the it's you know an easy answer, I, I guess. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just I mean, it's giving me a big smile just thinking about that little cute green guy right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to say, I. 
it took me until the end of the series of, or the end of season two to really connect with him, you know, to going back and, and rewatching it. Um, mm. Loved him, but yeah, I, I can see why, why you just love him. He's, he's a, do you, do you call him baby Yoda or do you call him the child or Grogu? Oh, it's baby Yoda. <laughs> okay. I think it'll always be baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It uh, always. When you think of our in-person events over the last few years, uh, you know our, our meetups and and all the um, the conventions that we've attended. Uh, which particular moment immediately jumps out to you? Uh, the the annual and actually your your panel that you did at the annual, David. That that's going to be something that sticks with me for a really long time. Your retrospective of the Empire State uh, Star Wars Collectors Club and it's uh, how it was founded and and all the interviews that those guys came in and and you know told their stories. Um, that was a really strong panel. Is it still out there? Can people can people pull it up and listen to it? It is. Yes, absolutely. I highly suggest anybody here if you haven't listened to it, go go listen and if you have listened, go listen again. It's uh it's a great panel. I think I'll take your advice and I'll I'll check it out again. Yes. <laughs> but but I mean the reason is and I, and I yeah, yeah, and I might have said this before uh on your podcast. Uh I, I can't re- recall, but I mean that that was an inspiring listening to all those guys listening to their stories was inspiring, you know, how much they have done for the collecting community inspired, uh, myself, Narayan, Blake, uh, who were all there from the Georgia Alliance at the annual. I mean, it really inspired us to be better, make our club better, do more for the community. Um, just that, that whole, um, that whole panel was, uh, just, just very, you know, we were all the way up in New York, uh, at a New York collector club event, uh, you know, a bunch of people from Atlanta and, um, to, you know, it's, it was just very inspiring there. It was good. It was great. I felt like it came back around again, uh, during the virtual social, uh, you, you guys started the, um, the weekend off with a, uh, a look back on, on your, on the, uh, on the, the Georgia Alliance and, and how it was formed. Yeah, that, that's right. And, um, yeah, that was the, the, the first, the first panel we did, um, yeah, 30, 40, 40 minutes, just kind of all of us talking about, about how, how we, how we started the club. And, 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 um, I think we mentioned, uh, mentioned the empire club quite a bit. I mean, without that, that panel, without the empire club hosting that annual, I mean, things like the virtual social wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have been inspired to to do more and to, to, um, help out the community. And it, yeah, um, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, you guys got the ball rolling. <laughs> well, and I feel like you guys have set the bar now too. And I think eventually the empire state club and the, the Georgia Alliance are going to come together and kind of form some sort of Voltron event, you know, a Voltron sized event where we're, uh, <laughs> we're doing something all together. And I, I still look forward to that. I can't wait. Yeah, I sure hope so. Okay, the final question. What do you feel you personally bring to the Star Wars community? Oh, boy. I I hope... <laughs> I'm not sure this is what I bring, but I, I hope that... Uh, I hope that what we do with the Georgia Club is inspiring other clubs to do the same. Um, because I think the, the more people that are... <clears throat> reaching out and branching out within the hobby to, to, you know, 
to help further the community, I think the better. So I hope what we do in the Georgia club inspires others um, to do big things. And, and I think that just leads to a more enjoyable hobby experience for everyone. Absolutely. And as somebody who has uh, been the, the recipient of the effects of it and, and, is, and has also taken part in it, I can truly say that my life has changed because of you guys uh, or because of, my life has changed because of you and and the team behind the Georgia group and the Empire group and, and now hopefully, you know, the California club as well. And uh, we're, we're really starting to all come together in this nice way. So, um, you know, you've done some amazing stuff so far and I can't wait to see what, what happens this year and in the years to come. I, yeah, I, it's really exciting. And you mentioned the California club. I mean, the Empire club has been around doing a lot f- for quite a while. Uh, the Georgia club for a couple of years, we've really been trying to push the bar. Um, and now that you see the California club is, is hoping to, they're wanting to step up and really get more involved. And, and there's a lot of great clubs out, out there um, that, you know, are, are not being mentioned, but, you know, to, to to them, you know, maybe they just keep it uh, within their local community. And that's great. Like if you're expanding, uh, you know, the knowledge and stuff in your local community, that's awesome. But it's, it's with this pandemic, I think people are, are turning to their computers a lot more than they already did. And um, it, it sounds like the California club's really going to be the next one that they really want to step up and, and start doing some stuff online. And, and I'm really excited to see it. I'm just excited to see where, where everything will go and, and hopefully some other clubs will start uh, stepping up to if, if you are, if you're somebody who's listening to this and you're not part of a club, um, seek, seek out your local club, uh, try to become part of, of something within the collecting community. If it really interests you, because, um, and I, I hopefully, I, you know, Justin, I, I think you feel the same way. It, I, it changed my life and the people that I've met, I've developed such deep friendships with, with, uh, and, and want to go through, you know, the rest of my life with them. So, you included. Yeah. I mean, collecting in a bubble. Um, I mean, really pre-internet, right? You might see people at toy shows every once in a while, but um, being part of a community, other people having your back, looking out for you, they know what you like, you know what they like. Um, it, it has 1000% changed collecting for me um, in an extremely positive way. And uh, I, I can't imagine ever going back to collecting without having, you know, I mean, now you're collecting with some of your best friends from all across the world, you know, everybody, um, everybody looking out for everybody. And it's, it's just a fantastic thing. Yeah. Get out there and join a club. If there isn't a club, start one. All it takes is two friends. There you go. Facebook is free. (laughs) All right. So let's get into six stories now. Uh, so you, you've prepared um, a collection of, of six stories on items from your collection, uh, ones that have either a story connected to them or that mean something special to you. Um, so why did you pull these six together? Yeah, Dave, I, I actually reached out to you after I heard uh, Matt George's podcast because I really liked this concept. Um, and I think that's when you asked me if, if I wanted to come on. And w- what I did was I, I kind of looked at it a, a little different. So these aren't... Uh, I don't have any evidence bags. Um, I, they're not, <laughs> they're not quite so much, uh, as, as unique of stories, but kind of how Matt George uh, framed it off of his travels, creating the book. I, I've kind of framed my six based off of items, um, 
that are most near and dear to me in my collection. Like these are the things that will always be on display. And these are the things that will never leave. You know, even, even if I went down to just one shelf in my office, these six items would be on that shelf. Um, so that's kind of how I frame this up. These are just uh, very near and dear to my heart, uh, items. And, and obviously there are, there, you know, a little story behind each one. Mm-hmm. And you and I are both fans of Sky Payne and Steve Danley's uh, podcast, The Kivecast. And uh, you had said to me that um, they they ask a question, uh, you know, if if uh, if your house caught on fire and, and you could only save one item, which would it be? And you said this is sort of th- these are the six that I would I would take. out. Right. Yeah. I'm cheating and saying these are the six that I would take, not just the one. So. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so what is? Uh, let's go with uh, story number one. Yeah, so I let's start at the very beginning. Um, this piece is a it's it's a, a min on card twenty one back Boba Fett, and it's uh, surprisingly uh, the very first min on card I ever purchased. Uh, I was this was back in the early nineties, and and there's a convention here in, in Atlanta called Dragon Con, and it's not really known as a collector event uh, per se but it's it's very heavy sci-fi convention um probably one of the biggest sci-fi conventions uh in the u.s and it's been going on for about 30 something years so i would go every year uh, i would actually um my when i was younger my parents would take me and and i still go to this day it's it's just uh, uh one of my favorite events and there was a, a dealer there back back in the 90s uh that dealt exclusively in star wars stuff so Every year I would like save up my allowance or like, you know, ask my parents if there's something else I could do around the house to make some more money. And I would basically save up money all year long and take it and spend it all with this guy. And and for the life of me, I can't remember his name. I don't know if I actually ever knew his name. I didn't see him at any other toy shows or events, just at Dragon Con. So I I don't think he was local. But uh, yeah, just so happened one year he had a – a Boba Fett piece and I, and I didn't have enough saved up for it. Um, this is like early nineties pricing, by the way. So these were, um, you know, like a 10th of what they are now, but, uh, but yeah, so I saved up all year, uh, just so happened, uh, the next year I went and he, and he still had it and, and I was able to pick it up and it was the first, uh, mint on card piece I ever purchased. It was like sub $500 back then. So uh, real cheap compared to, wow. Today. I mean, talk about an epic piece to start out with too. Yeah. So, so obviously I was collecting Star Wars. I had all kinds of like toys and vehicles and, and blah, blah, but this was like pre power of the force Two, So like th- that stuff wasn't even out yet. So like all, all this guy ever had was vintage and um, yeah, made the, made the leap and, and, and picked it up and I still have it in my collection. And actually um, <clears throat> I was home from, from college one year and decided to send some stuff to AFA uh, my very first uh, submission to AFA uh, action figure authority, the grading company for those of you that don't know, but uh this one came back refused um, because it had, had, wow. had touch up. Uh, it, it had been touched up. It looked like somebody had removed the price sticker and then and then filled it back in with black ink. Very very small amount, but under a black light you could see it. But in the early nineties, I mean, that was common practice. Like grading wasn't really a thing. You know, people just made their stuff look as nice as possible. So, um, right, it wasn't really frowned upon. No, no. I mean, it was like an accepted thing in the hobby. So, uh, you know, can't blame the guy that I got it from. He might not even have been the person that did it. Um, 
you know, and it's, it's just a, always a constant, uh, constant reminder. I'm not like a huge, I, I don't like, I'm not the kind of collector that has to have everything graded. I, I like graded stuff. Um, but you know, I'm not, everything doesn't have to be an acrylic, but it's, it's always like a, a unique reminder. Um, I, I have that both at displayed with my 12 back run and, and all my 12 backs are graded and that one's not, and people always ask. And it's like an, it's like an interesting conversation piece <laughs> that I can talk about, you know, and, and show them because some people, you know, just don't, don't know how to look for that touch-ups, uh, stuff. So. Yeah. And once you have something like that too, you learn pretty quickly if you're sending stuff into AFA, what to look for. So that, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That was, uh, uh, blindsided my very first AFA submission. Um, it, it went in with a couple other pieces, but then it came back and yeah, you, you can't unsee it now. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Okay. Uh, story number two. Um, story number two. Um, th- this piece is uh, fr- from a re- and, and this piece re- really is more of a culmination of a, of a friendship I've I've had for for a while with an artist, Christian Wagner. Um, anybody who's been to Celebration has at least seen his his work, seen him painting, um, and he lived in Atlanta for, for, for a time. And for those of you that know, uh, my wife and I, we own a bar in Atlanta and that's actually how I met Christian. There's, uh, there's a few star Wars things at the bar. It's not like a, it's not like cantina themed or anything like that, but, uh, there are a few star Wars things up and anybody that comes in, any of the regulars, they know I'm a massive star Wars fan. And, and one of our regulars said, I've got, I've got somebody that, that you need to meet. I've got a friend. I'm going to bring him in. You, you guys just need to talk. And, and it was Christian. And, and this was probably seven years ago brought Christian in and obviously we hit it off. Um, a lot of similarities. Plus he's, uh, one of the world's most renowned star Wars artists. So, uh, <laughs> um, so we would hang out at celebrations and stuff, go out and have dinners. And, um, before, uh, before the last Orlando celebration, and I can't recall exactly which number that is cause they all kind of blend together now. Um, but he, he asked me, he said, he said, Justin, they, they've asked me to do a live painting uh, during like on the show floor during convention hours. And uh, he was like, I, I wanted to see if you and Jen would like me to do a painting for you guys. And um, he's like, I, I really wanted to do Princess Leia. And, and I, I think, uh, you know, this was after after Carrie had passed. He said, he said, I'd really like to do a, a Leia piece. Um, and I know you guys are big, big fans. Would, would you would you like it when I'm done with it? And uh just so honored and so touched, um, by his generosity on that piece that, uh, and, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful, um, representation of, of Princess Leia from the, uh, a new hope. Um, yeah, so I was just touched and honored. So if anybody was at that celebration and, and saw Christian live painting that Leia piece, it now, um, hangs, hangs proudly in, in our collection. And what does it look like? Um, so it's, it's kind of, uh, it, it's, it's just, yeah, I guess I should kind of explain. So it's, it's more like a, a, just like a torso up, like kind of just like a headshot. Um, uh, there, there's no background or anything. And, um, um, it, it, it's, it's Leia in her white gown, you know, with her buns and she's kind of like looking over her shoulder back at, you know, like the audience or, or, or whatever, um peering through the canvas. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's really just kind of like a headshot on, on like a, uh, just like a, a brownish background. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's a gorgeous piece and, and just absolutely honored that, um, 
that that he did it for us. I feel like I say this all the time, but isn't it amazing that, you know, again, something like Star Wars would put you and Christian together, um, you know, where, where you guys develop a friendship and you get to enjoy his work and his art um, as a result of a shared interest and a shared love for Star Wars and a connection. Yeah, it, it's 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 amazing. And I don't think I'm the first person to say this, but there's just something about this hobby. You know, I I can travel just about anywhere in the world and I feel like I got a friend nearby, you know, um, it, it's, it's absolutely amazing. The doors it's opened up and, and, you know, with the friendships like that. And yeah, I mean, I, um, Christian just is an unbelievable talent. And I mean, now I call him a close friend. He comes and hangs out at my house, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just amazing. <laughs> that's it's a great. wonderful, beautiful thing. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Story number three. Story number three. Um, this is a, 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 a club piece, but this is something that's so near and dear. And, and, and <clears throat> the club we, we started after we went uh, to, to the annual, the empire, we, we decided that, that our club needed to have, you know, s- some bigger type events. And, and we started that with uh, a summer social uh, at Narayan's house. Narayan uh, good friend and, and one of the other fellow admins of the club does, puts in a lot of, a lot of hard work in the club, uh, just as much, if not more than I do. Um, but so we did the summer social at Narayan's home. Uh, it's kind of like outdoor, you know, like a barbecue. He had, he had ga- like uh, games and stuff for people to do ping pong and, and, and billiards and stuff like that. So we wanted to expand on that and keep growing. And so Jen and I offered to host the winter social. And this was uh, 2019. Um, you know, so, so the last big event, December, 2019, the last big event the club had, and, and we really expand expanding on the summer social. We, we really went all out for, for the winter. There was a handful of people that flew into town. Uh, we kind of made it a kind of a, a all weekend event, like a, a Friday night, all day, Saturday kind of thing. <clears throat> but we wanted to do like an ugly sweater contest, basically. That's a very common holiday themed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was like a star Wars, uh, branded ugly sweater, um, event contest and, and artist Nick Mugley reached out to us and said, Hey guys, I, I can't make the event, but I would love to help. Uh, tell me about the event. Let me see if there's anything I can do. So he decided to make the trophies for the ugly sweater contest. AFA donated some gift certificates as well for the winners, but I was absolutely blown away by these pieces. He, he, it was all a a secret. He wouldn't tell any of us what they were going to be, what they were going to look like. He just shipped them and they are stunning. They're it, it, it's, it's part of the event we call is, is kind of like Wampa themed, right? Cause like, cause Hoth makes sense for the winter time. So like a lot of our imagery has, has Wampas in it. So he took vintage Wampas hand painted them with like a iridescent glittery sparkle like they they like kind of shimmer they like they look like they're like they have snow on them I, it's very hard to explain but it's like an iridescent like blue highlights and then like this glitter stuff it they're absolutely amazing um and his mother hand knitted 
holiday colored sweaters for the Wampas. So like they're wearing an ugly sweater and then they've got like a knapsack, like a toy sack with a little holiday themed Yoda inside. So like, it's like the white Wampa, (laughs) like it's like the Wampa is Santa Claus carrying a toy sack that has like a little Yoda inside. And then they're all in these, uh, they're in these like acrylic uh, slide bottom display cases. And he like, he like put like snow on the bottom. So it looks like the Wampa's tromping through the snow. And then he made these Kenner, we really do care white Wampa um, placards to go in them that also like doubled as a coloring book page. I don't know. They're absolutely amazing. Um, It's one of the coolest pieces um, in the collection and the creativity uh, from Nick Mugley was just absolutely outstanding. It's very hard to explain this, but it's one of my favorite pieces. If you're into customs, it's, it's one of the coolest customs out there. It's one of my favorites too. And I'm really glad you brought this one up as one of your stories, because I think for people who aren't in our community uh, or, or maybe um, haven't seen the, the depth of what happens in our community, um, it, it's very hard to picture something like this, but the people in our community, like Nick and, you know, like so many, uh, have such talent and they use their talent on a consistent basis, um, you know, to do amazing things. And a lot of times, like you said, like, you know, <laughs> they uh, th- there's no reason for them to do this stuff other than the fact that, you know, they they want to share their talent and and because they care about the people, you know, in our groups. That's absolutely right. I mean, we didn't approach him. We didn't put out a call to artists for anything. He just knew about the event, was really trying to make it, and and reached out to us and said, "Hey guys, you know, I I wanted to attend. It's you know, it's killing me that I can't be there. Is there anything I can do to help?" And and you know, we just kind of he said, "You know, just explain the event to me. Let me see if I can use my talent to help make your event better." And it's. What came next was unbelievable. Yeah, it really is one of my favorite custom pieces too. And I remember seeing it for the first time and just looking and going, if you had presented this to me as something that Kenner did, I would have believed it instantly. I mean, it's just, it's just so utterly beautiful and it's something that will always be special. Absolutely. Nick, if you're out there listening, thank you again very much. Okay. Story number four. Story number four, um, this is uh, an, an original 12-figure uh, display stand. Um, so, so not like the early bird kit one, but just the, the plastic one with the cardboard backing. Um, I, I'd had this display stand in my collection um, for a long time. I, I'd gotten it when I was you know, very young. I, I don't recall when. It could have been a garage sale find. It could have been from Dragon Con, like I was talking about, or, or one of the other like shows around. But but this particular uh, display stand, it's it's the, the 12 figures that are on it. Well, actually, the 11 figures that are on it. Um, the 11 first 12 figures minus the Jawa. And it, those those figures are, are near and dear to my heart because uh, when I married my wife, Jen, um, I was allowed a groom's cake. And my groom's cake was a recreation of the beloved birthday poster. So for those of you not familiar, the birthday poster was given out to theaters that consecutively ran star Wars for one year. 
uh, A New Hope, the, the first film. And it's it's a cake um, that has like a, a – a, I guess it, it's, it's technically the Star Wars logo, but it's uh, – the whole cake is, is white and blue and it's just got one single candle on it. And this is the poster, by the way. Uh, it's got one single candle on it, and then it's surrounded by eleven of the twelve figures. For for whatever reason, the Jawa is not presented there. Um, and I don't know that definitively there's an answer out there for why he's not. It, I always assumed it was because they were in transition from the vinyl cape to the cloth cape, potentially. Um, but anyway, so <clears throat> the birthday poster um, is is the cake in the center with a single candle, and then eleven the figures just kind of sta- standing around it. And uh, so my groom's cake recreated that cake <clears throat> from that poster. And then I took, I had 11 figures um, surrounding the cake. Um, so after, um, and, and like, so those, those 11 figures, they were given to the baker. She, she had them. She made this whole display. Um, the figures were on figure stands that I gave her that she like glued down to like a black uh, or it was a white piece of like acrylic. So like it was, it was like a whole presentation, the cake with the figures, everything. It was like one whole platform that, that was just uh, sat down on the table during our wedding. So um, after the wedding, I obviously kept the figures. I put them on a childhood uh, or one of my childhood um, displays and popped them in an acrylic case. And that's just one of those things that, that will always, be on display. I asked my wife if we could display it on the mantle. She said no, but it's in my collection room and it's uh, prominently displayed and always will be. It'll always, always remind me of, of uh, our wedding day. You've shared photos of that over the years. And I have to say every time it pops up uh, in my feed on Facebook, um, it always touches my heart. I I think it's such a special thing. And again, it's amazing how, uh, these items that we love and some of the you know the things that we do as far as customs and recreations, how they connect to the people that we love as well too. So just keep sharing those photos because they really are beautiful. It, it is. I have shared those photos quite a bit. It is one of my favorite stories. Um, and I was fortunate enough in 2019 to finally add the actual birthday poster to our collection. So um it's, it's, it's full circle there. And, and I do love sharing those photos and, um, but you know, it's, it's a reminder of, uh, of our wedding day, you know, happiest day of my life. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, Jen yeah. is a wonderful person. I'm glad you found each other. Very nice. Uh, okay. Story number five. Story number five, we'll switch gears a little bit, but this is, <clears throat> I, I think just an interesting and unique unique item and and i'm probably the only person in the world crazy enough to try to do this and and i and i was able to accomplish it but it really shows that the community um aspect of of being part of the community can can help you facilitate and can help you um accomplish things like this and and this piece is is a vlix so the brazilian uh uh glassly vlix figure from the droids cartoon line um it was the only figure from I guess what they were going to consider call series two that was actually released, but it only made it its way to Brazil. I believe it was just, just Brazil. Um, so a three and three quarter, uh, Vlix figure Vlix was uh, one of the villains from the droids cartoon. It's, it's most likely 
if it's not the hardest to find production Star Wars figure, it's got to be close. Maybe double telescoping Vader's and Ben's, I guess. I guess those are considered production, so those are probably a little harder to find. But the Vlix figure alone is is just <clears throat> extremely difficult to find um, complete. And I decided, even though this is one of the hardest figures to find, I decided I would make it even more challenging. Um, there was an eBay auction <laughs> about seven years ago for a left leg and a right leg. No, a, a left leg and a left <laughs> arm for the Flix figure. So I put a I put a bit in on it and it got him extremely cheap. And I was like, well, I'll never have the figure, but at least I can have like this small representation. So I'm at the next celebration, which I believe was in Anaheim. And I'm uh, hanging out at the hotel bar one night, talking to a buddy of mine who I know does a lot of bootleg stuff. And I'm telling him about this. And, and he, I can just see his tone completely change. And he was like, that was you. <laughs> he was like, I was bidding on that. And I was, he was like, why did you want that? I was like, well, I don't have the figure. And he goes, well, I've got a head. He was like, I wanted to add to the head that I've got. And I'm like, and he's like, sell me the arm and the leg. And I'm like, sell me the head. And uh, so we go back and forth and, and it, it, we weren't being that confrontational, but, but yeah, so we, we go back and forth about it. And he was like, well, let me see if I got anything that you would want, maybe we could do a trade or you do the same. Like if you, if you're the first person to find something cool that I want, whatever. So like a year and a half goes by and he reaches out to me and just sends me a picture and it's a head and the front torso. And I'm like, where'd you get that? He's like, I'm going to get rid of it. He's like, I got to, I got something that I've got to buy and I need to raise some funds. So he tells me a price. We work it out. So now I've got a head, a front torso, a left arm and a left leg. So I'm a little <laughs> over 50% to have licks. And, and, and again, this For is the hardest, the really one of the hardest. <laughs> it, absolutely. Right. It's a, at this point, like a couple years have gone by and I post periodically. There's a few uh, Brazilian collectors that know what I'm looking for. But I mean, at this point, I'm not looking for a complete figure because I've got over half. Like I just need a back torso and a right arm and a right leg. It should be a big deal. Right. So <laughs> I find <laughs> somebody reaches out and they've got, of licks that doesn't have a head. And, and so on the Vlix figure, the front part of the torso actually has the peg that the, the head would um, attach to. So their front torso does not have that. It, it looks like somebody broke the head off of the Vlix, like put it in their hand and snapped it, you know, like maybe an angry sibling of, you know, I, I don't know, but <laughs> so so they sell me this full figure missing a head. So now I've got all the pieces and, and the trick is going to be <laughs> to just put them all together. Right. So, um, unfortunately I will say because, because of COVID, uh, I have not, there is not one fully assembled flicks at this point, but I have, you know, we're, we're eight years into this journey I do have all the pieces. I was able to actually um, source a, a rifle as well. And, and I've, I've actually reached out uh, to the help of the community and, and um, a very well-known customizer is going to help me um, piece these two, two Frankenstein Vlixes together to make one extremely nice example. Um, but because of COVID, you know, he, he's not traveling. I'm not traveling. So we're just, we had everything worked out and, and then COVID happened. So hopefully, you know, maybe around year year nine of this journey, year 10, uh, I'll finally have a full Vlix. But right now I just have a, a, a headless Vlix on display with um, a, a head, torso, left arm, 
left leg on display side by side. So, um, you know, nothing can be easy, right? So just make it as difficult as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, talk about determination though. I mean, you really, you really set a challenge for yourself with that one. And I can't believe you're on the verge of making it happen. That's amazing. Uh, I know it's, it's just absolutely crazy, but, um, you know, it all, it all started with just scouring eBay one night and, throwing up a bit on, on a leg and an arm. And, and, you know, here we are eight, eight years later and, and the journey's almost full or almost complete. So there we go. <laughs> Congratulations. And I thought I had a challenge. I, uh, I found a, uh, a first shot Luke Skywalker power of the force to lightsaber. Um, one day, uh, I bought it from a friend at a show and I, Usually you start with the the prototype figure and then you try to find the accessories. And I had the saber and I said, okay, I'll just try to find this Luke, which was stupid, right? I mean, it just never <laughs> happens. And I actually, uh, I was at Cincinnati and I was rifling through a bin and I pulled out the, the, the Luke I needed. So you never uh, know. It, it, you, you, yeah, you never know. <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, it's just uh, – it's, it's, it's been a fun journey. I've talked to tons of people about it, you know, trying to, trying to source this stuff and then just trying to figure out who, I don't trust myself to try and, you know, uh, piece these things together like that. So, um, it's, it's just been a fun journey and and I would have never done it without the community and without a ton of help from, from people all over the world, really. So. Well, I look forward to seeing pictures of it and and seeing it in person one day uh, when you finally have it assembled. Yeah. Yeah, can't wait to get you out here, David. <laughs> okay, story the, the final story now, story number six. Yeah, uh, the final story, um, near and dear uh, to both Jen and I, um, is Carrie Fisher. We, we were fortunate enough to meet her quite a few times over the year. You know, just meet her at conventions and stuff and, and get her autograph and photos and, and things like that. I mean, she, she's been to Dragon Con, I think, three, three different times. Uh, in the last 15 years or so. So, you know, we get to see her there and get to see her at celebrations and go to her panels. And, um, <clears throat> I think that's why, you know, I, I'm, I'm not just a, a Leia fan. I'm really <clears throat> more a Carrie fan. Um, I just, just really, really love, uh, kind of who she was as a person and, and what she stood for and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, <clears throat> when Carrie passed, it was obviously like a really hard time for, for, for Jen and I, I guess, you know, just, uh, see, seeing your, your heroes pass like that. So <clears throat> after she passed, so her brother with, uh, her brother with the help of profiles in history auctioned off a lot of, uh, Carrie and her mother's personal belongings. And one of the items that really stood out to me in this auction, which there were more than one, there was the one that belonged to Carrie, the one that belonged to her mother was a statue that Carrie had had made, um, that she had dubbed, um, the Carrie DeMilo. So, um, I'm sure you can kind of imagine what, what this statue looked like, um, uh, you know, uh, the Venus de Milo, but with Princess Leia's head and, and the buns and, and, and all that stuff. So um, it, it is a really unique piece. And I actually, I reached out to, um, to Todd Fisher, her brother, uh, to, to try to get a better understanding of that piece uh, because I, I didn't think the description was that great, but it was interesting that there was, uh, there were three in the auction. So they, there was the one that belonged to Debbie Reynolds. Um, there was the one that, uh, that I own. And, and then there was a third one that was like in kind of, a, 
this like wooden sculpture and like this statue was like placed in it. And I was, it was just curious that there were, that there were three of these statues, but that they were also different and unique. Um, and so, so when I reached out to Todd, Todd, Todd explained to me that she had about 50 or 60 of these commissioned back in the eighties. And she, um, used them, uh, as like birthday gifts for friends and family. So, um, that's why her mother had one. Wow. Um, Carrie had one that, uh, which is the one that I owned that sat on her desk. So she had that one placed on a marble base. Uh, and that's the one that we were lucky enough to, to win at the auction and, um, have here on display. But so, so there were roughly around 50 of these and, uh, you know, she, she would give up like Harrison Ford apparently has one, George Lucas, Mark Hamill. She, she, they, they're ex- exquisite statues that she had, I mean, commissioned by, uh, commissioned some artists to, to create and, um, and replicate. Um, so it's, it's just a really, it, it's a really special piece to me to, to know that, you know, f- for most of her life, uh, when she was, uh, at her desk or, or, or around her desk, she would look down and see the statue. And, and now, uh, now we have it in, in our home and, you know, we get to look at it and, uh, it's just a really special piece. Um, to both of us, to, to both my wife and I, and, and it's something that, uh, you know, we'll always remember Carrie uh, whenever we look at it, and, and we'll always remember Princess Leia. So. That is absolutely amazing, and especially when you when you think about, you know, how many, because uh, she was a writer, and so she's written a number of books. Uh, she worked on scripts, you know, and, and um, so, I mean, she, she must have sat at that desk for years and decades, you know, writing and, and always had that next to her. That's an amazing thing. Yeah. We are just so fortunate to be able to be the ones, you know, to continue it on and, and, and house it and, uh, and appreciate it. So uh, that's one of my favorite things in the collection <clears throat> by far, hands down. And, and um, that's just, you know, it's not a toy, but just everything that it represents. Um, I, I just love that piece so much. Beautiful. Well, Justin, really, thank you so much for, for putting these together. Um, you've, you picked some amazing pieces and I, I personally, I love hearing the stories behind them. Um, and I know a lot of our friends, you know, we care so much about these pieces and these pieces that we collect, but to hear our friends talk about what means something to them, um, helps to make us appreciate it more. And, and I think just helps us to connect to one another in a, in a beautiful way. So I'm so thrilled that you took the time out today and that we were able to just, just hang out for a while and, and hear six stories from you. David, I really, I, re- I really appreciate it. I'm honored you, you asked me to come on and I, I really love this concept that you're putting together with the six stories. I love to hear stories. Um, I love, I, that's, it's my favorite thing about uh, visiting friends collections, you know, uh, visiting their home and seeing, it's just hearing how they acquired stuff and why they love it. And, you know, everybody has these great stories and, and it's, it's to me what makes a collector and a collection, you know, it's not what it means. It's not what I think it means. It's what it means to you. And uh, so I'm honored you had me on for one of these and I can't wait to hear more. Well, fantastic. I'll probably have to have you back for another six. So <laughs> let's do that in the future. More than happy to, bud. More than happy. All right, Justin, I, I love you like a brother. I want you to know that. And I'm so glad we get to do this. Dave, thank you so much for having me on, bud. Cheers.